Good morning, family. How are you doing? I know y'all sat down. You just got through worshiping, but this is something I do. Why don't you stand up and say hi to two or three people that you just haven't seen before? Just worship and just say, hey, just glad to see you in the house of the Lord. Amen. It is good to see you uh, here today. Um, we're going to start off in prayer and we're going to jump right into it. Father, we come together, Lord, and just thank you and glorify you and honor you for what you're going to do today, Father. Not just by what you're doing today, Lord, but what you're going to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day, Father. We lift everything up to you, Father. Let this be about you and your will for each and every one of us, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Well, let's get to it. So today I'm going to start off with a rhetorical question. All right. Um, have you ever felt like you're just on like auto drive? You know, just cruising? Uh, like you're just cruising through life, right? Sometimes you may feel that way. Or maybe you're, on the other hand, you feel like that you're, you're always stuck in life's traffic and you're, you're really not getting anywhere. Uh, or maybe there's like uh, confusion and chaos in your life. Uh, the, the chaos and confusion is so common that uh, when you get a call from a relative, you know, you get a call from a sister or a brother or, or your thea from the islands or something like that, the first thing you do is like, what now? You don't say it to them, but, you know, the first thing in your mind, it comes out to them, man, what now? What do you want now? Because there's always some drama and stuff that's going on, right? Well, whether you're in one end of the spectrum of, of cruising with your wind blowing through your, through your extensions and you're just having a good time or, or whether you're on the other end and, and you feel like you want to change your phone number because you're just sick and tired of these people calling you about their trauma that made it a part of your life. Uh, all of that somehow has became, become our life norm. You know, it's become a normal part of our life and everyday thing. So life and faith has become what I call, what I can just describe as average. All of those things, we've learned to accept it so much that it's a daily part of our life and it becomes average. But I don't know about you, for you, but for me, I don't want to have an average walk. Um, I don't need an average encounter with God. Uh, the church has generalized our, our, our Christian process so much that we now have like a baseline, an average way to do faith life. What I'm talking about is the church today has established a, a self-imposed set of standards uh, to say, um, uh, I know that impose guidelines for a person in ministry to follow, for your life and for your ministry to be considered accomplished. It's kind of weird though, right? I don't know if you know this, but there are literally consulting firms out there. Their sole purpose is to get churches to that standard. That's what they get paid to do. So they, they, they go into a church and they, and, they, and they go in and they do an evaluation. You know, the consulting firm does an evaluation. They say, well, this is how your worship team should be. You need a drum set. You need another percussionist. You need five worship singers, five lead worship singers. You need like 12 backup singers, 
Don't forget the light show. You want to get real good, good with it, you're going to have some fog going on. Get a nice fog machine working. So everyone is worshiping, you know, and, and I don't know if some of you have seen it, but I've seen it. But you go in there and, and everybody's worshiping and they got their chai latte that they just bought from the coffee stand at the store inside the church because the church has like their own little, you know, Starbucks, mini Starbucks is sitting in there. And so they're in there, they got the coffee in hand and they're worshiping everything. And then you get the pastor that comes out and 40 to 50 some years old and he's wearing his skinny jeans and. You know, back in my day, skinny jeans, it meant that they were just too tight. They didn't fit. You couldn't afford to get no new ones, so you just wore what you had. But that's a trend now. So, you know, if I would have known that, I would have saved them and sold them. <laughs> Made some money. But they get an uplifting message, right? They feel good. They leave encouraged. Some leave satisfied. And that's Okay. That's fine. But I feel that we tend to get into trouble when we, when we start to give God our average. If that makes any sense. What I think is, is that I feel that it, it opens the door to complacency. Uh, a sense of just another day or... Um, and, and, and I find it's hard for me to deal with because... You know, I, I know what my God does. I, I, I know that I know that I know that we do not have an average God. I know this. He doesn't love average. He doesn't give average. He doesn't forgive average. Some of y'all can't forgive stuff that people did to you 20 years ago. And ain't affect you since. He don't correct us averagely. God doesn't even breathe averagely. His breath gives life. There's nothing average about our God. So, if we don't have an average God, why do I feel like we the body, we're seeking him just on the average? You can say, well, no, I do a lot of this and I do a lot of that, and yeah, but where do we get that from? Was it like Pastor Will talked about? He says he sometimes you go on these other uh, YouTube and some of these other uh, 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 venues or whatever from other other pastors, other ministries, and then you get fed by them by some other strange doctrine or something like that, and then he has to come back and he has to like you know undoctrinate you regarding some of the things because some of the stuff you listen to is just way out there, unscriptural. So how, do, how can we take our average to the next level? How can we take our spiritual journey to the next level? Where do we start? I think one of the first things that we can start is, is that we can start by preparing a place in you for him. That's the first step. Because see, sometimes the Holy Spirit needs some elbow room to throw some bowls around in your life. So, so, so he can get you know, get some room and get loose with it a little bit to get you out of the rut and move beyond just average. So you want to shift you from the what now phone call to what's next, God. 
There's a big difference in perception in that. So, well, what are we talking about? I'll tell you. We're talking about FWP. Look at your neighbor. Tell them FWP. You're like, what are you talking about? I don't know what FWP means. Fasting, worship, and prayer. And not necessarily in that order, by the way. We talked about prayer life. You've heard her talked about prayer life. And as a matter of fact, a lot of our messages over the past few weeks have been about prayer. We've talked about our worship life. The one thing we do well in this house is worship and prayer. We, we participate in a monthly fast, right? As a, as a unified body, we participate in a monthly fast. But today, fasting is going to take place, take the lead role. And, and it's going to be supplemented by, by prayer and worship because as a body, we're going into our 40-day fast. So right off the jump, let me tell you this. Fasting is not mandatory, not needed for your salvation, not needed for you to be with God. I'll repeat it again. Fasting is not needed for you to be with God. That's not a prerequisite for you to be to be holier than now in order for you to feel that you, you need to be in the presence with God. That's not necessarily needed. It's not required. There's nothing in the Bible that says, says that. But what fasting is, fasting is an invitation for the Holy Spirit. It's an invitation for God to come into you and do some extra overtime and work in you. Not like he doesn't do it already. See, fasting is a, is a gateway for the greater next that we were talking about. Uh, fasting is not casual. It's, uh, it's a purpose, a uh, commitment. Uh, it's, uh, it is a way to make a spiritual link with Jesus. And, and that's important because that's who we need to focus on. The main purpose of fasting is to draw near to God and get deeper in his will for your life ministry. Notice I said life ministry. Not just about your life, not just about the way you walk, not just, but your life ministry. As in your walk with God and what he has planned for you. Right? So, fasting to thrive. That's what it is. We're fasting to thrive, to push even beyond. So why do we fast? Good question. We fast to change the way we see. Perspective is so important. How we see things. I know there's been many a times where my wife and I would see the same thing and we saw two completely different descriptions of what we just saw. That makes sense. It's like we saw the same thing, but we came out with two. If you would ask us to describe the same thing, it would not be the same. You think we were talking about two different encounters. Because perspective of how you see everything is very important. Our decisions on how we live each day are based on how we see things. In a sense, perspective is often more important when you think about it than reality. In Psalms 119 verse 18, it reads, Open my eyes to spiritual truth so that I may behold wonderful things from your law. When I think about 
being able to see in your perspective of things, I think about Elijah and his servant and when they were surrounded in the city and the servant came out in the morning and then he saw all the, the enemy's chariots and everything that was there specifically to kill Elijah. But Elijah's perspective was a little different. When he looked out, he saw chariots of the Lord and he saw that there was way more of them than there are of those that's trying to go against him. That's all about perspective. And the first thing he did was he prayed to God and said, give him eyes to see so he can change his perspective on what he sees. It's like that old saying, a glass half empty versus a glass half full. It all depends how you look at it. But here what we do know. Fasting is a deliberate denial of abstinence of physical or mental gratification to achieve a spiritual goal. Notice I said physical and or mental gratification because we know that there are things out there that doesn't affect us necessarily physically that we get into, that it's a, uh, a mental thing. Uh, it's a denial of the flesh to get a response from the Holy Spirit. That's what fasting is. Fasting is saying no to your and saying no to you and yes to God. It also a way to invite God's presence during trials where life is needed through a spiritual breakthrough. Because I know so many of us right now, no matter what scale that we were on when I talked about earlier, there's a breakthrough that needs to happen in our lives. So it doesn't matter if you're here or here. We need him to help us through wherever we got to go next. In case you haven't figured out already, I preach with Ebonics. So we fast from food. Uh, goes hand in hand with humility and self-denial. Humility and self-denial. Denial of the flesh to get to response from the Holy Spirit. So let's be honest. When you're, when you're eating, you're really, when you're eating, you're not worried about you. I mean, really, I'm sorry. When you're eating, you're really thinking about you, right? Think about that. When you're eating, I'm thinking about you. You're like, man, about to get into these ribs, man. They're good. You know, man, we had some mofongo we ain't had in a long time. They just, she tore her foot off up in that bad boy, right? As long as it ain't got shrimp, I'm good. So that's what we do. But the only good time, the, the only time God's come, God comes into the equation in something like that is when we have that encounter, that good, we're like, man, good Lord God, that was good. That was some of the tastiest carrot cake, cheesecake that I ever had. That's the only time that we inflict where God comes into there. So we give him thanks for something that was just so that good and delicious. But fasting is a fundamental for your spirit well-being being to address the cry of our souls. Like eating satisfies the cries of our belly. Fasting helps us show that the cry of your soul is more important than the cry of your belly. When we feed our soul, we make it a higher priority. 
it gets God God's attention. The scriptures show that. We're going to get into that. How when you fast, you do get God's attention. The question is, will you give up the number one at BK for spiritual witches? Who knows what the number one is at BK? Nobody? Wobber, there you go. See? <laughs> will you make an investment in what builds and strengthens your spirit? That's the key. Because that's what fasting is. Fasting is investing. Some need to fast from social media. We've talked about that before. And Steph mentioned that a little bit earlier about unplugging. But if you swipe left more than you look up, you may need to fast. Say it again. <laughs> if you swipe left more than you look up, yeah, you might have to ha have to add that on to the list. So it may be a little rough. So here's another. We're trying to cover all the bases here. Have you skipped lunch or dinner to work on a project for school or work? A lot of people have. You have to meet that deadline, right? Like, man, I got to get this deadline. I ain't got time to go in the kitchen to get something to eat. Ain't nobody home. I'm just going to sit here and eat these Doritos and call it a day or whatever it may be. So let me ask you this question. If you can deny your flesh to get that money, then you can deny to get that spiritual treasure. In the Bible, we see the theme throughout the Bible that we must die if we want to live. Born again. Become new. That's a continuing process. That's something that just doesn't happen one day and then everything's hunky-dory. You are always working on your rebirth. You're continuing to grow. Just like your child continues to grow into adulthood, you spiritually are always continuing to grow. For the outer man to be right, the inner man has to get right. One doesn't go without the other. Here's the truth. Things in us must change. And I find that the, the, the greatest success in when your things are changing is humility. For some strange reason, every time I have an opportunity to preach, there's always a boxing match on the night before. I, I have no idea why. It just works out that way. But there was one last night, and uh, some people were jawjacking, the boxers. The one that was, didn't show the most humility was the one that lost. But when he saw the loss, you saw a sense of humility come out of him when he suffered that loss. And that was because the reality of his current being, that he's not necessarily God's gift to boxing. That there's a next thing that he needs to work on. He needs to enhance his tools in order to be the best again. 
So uh, a, 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 a humility or a spiritual reality check sunk down on him. And you can see it in his spirit, see it in his soul. Not necessarily about the loss, but about how he lost. Humility is a key. You humble yourself before the Lord and watch what he does. Because we must come to him surrendering what we want and letting him decide what we need. Because some of us ask for some really unusual stuff. I'll put it that way. But we may not need that unusual things. And I know that, that, that there are times where, you know, I'm just like, man, you know, like, like me, I want a boat. I want a boat. I want a boat. I like a boat. I want to My wife and I, we like going on boats. I want a boat. But that ain't in the picture right now because there's a lot of the stuff that God wants us to do before he's going to head and give me a boat. But Lord, if you're listening, whenever that happens, I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm just letting you know. I'm, I'm ready for it whenever you want. At least I feel I'm ready for it, but you let me know when I am. Amen. <laughs> Many times we're trying to do our own thing in Christ's life. Uh, uh, we, we are using flesh to, bite, to, to fight fleshly battles. When the way we can defeat flesh is through spirit. So we're going to look at some of the reasons to fast. So I want everybody to take notes, write down the scriptures. We're just going to briefly go through them. We're not going to read each one. To seek God's wisdom. We fast to seek his wisdom. In Acts 14, verse 23, Paul and, and uh, Barnabas prayed and fasted for the elders of the church before continuing, uh, uh, committing them to the Lord for his service. That's important. So you have the leaders praying for the other leaders, fasting and praying and worship so they may be sent. In order to get to the next, you have to be sent out. That's important. The next one is to seek God's deliverance or protection. Ezra in 8, 21 through 23, Ezra proclaimed a fast when the Jews fasted, uh, faced a, ha a, a hazardous travel. They needed to get to a place. And uh, it was, was going to be a rough road travel, a lot of po folks after them. And, and uh, uh, they went for when they returned to Jerusalem after the exile in Babylon and, they, and the whole, the, the, all the Jews, they fasted. They fasted for protection and for travel protection. Esther, if you don't know anything else, read Esther 4, chapter 4, 15. This woman right here is bold. I'll give you a little breakdown. Esther, she needed to, to provide some. So the, 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 the king made a proclamation. You can't, nobody was allowed to go into the inner court. But what she did was she, she got bold. She prayed and fasted and had everybody just so she can able to stand in the presence of the king to ask for something. And when you, when you go in front of the presence of the king and you are not invited, it is automatic death. 
But she said, you know what? I have, I have a different God. I have a higher king. I respect his authority, but I know what my God wants me to do and what's us to do. So she had everyone fast for three days, and she went before the king, and she got what she needed. <laughs> king didn't take her out. So facing temptation and trials. So this one facing the, in Luke 4, 1 through 13, and Matthew 4, 1 through 11. This right, everybody should probably know this one. You should. I hope you do. This is when Jesus went off to fast by himself for 40 days. And I'd probably say it is probably one of the most uh, miraculous fast we've seen in, the, in history and Bible. Jesus faced temptation and he faced fleshly trials. And he did this by praying and fasting. And I'm quite sure he did some worshiping. To repent, in Jonah 3, verse 10, after Jonah pronounced judgment against the city of Navihe, the king covered himself with sackcloth and sat in the dust. He then ordered the people to fast and pray. So Jonah 3, verse 10 reads, When God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. That's important right there. They repented, they fasted, and they changed God's mind. He went in a complete different direction from what would have happened. So, if we got some stuff that we did yesterday, 10 days ago, 100 days ago, 100 years ago. We can fast. We can pray. We can repent. And because of what he did on Calvary, we can, we're redeemed. So we have a few things that we're going to remember when we're fasting. And this is important. Know what you are fasting for. I don't, uh, uh, that's important because we're not fasting just to fast. You have to actually have a purpose for your fasting. That's something that you want to pray about. You want to say, you know, there, there, there are certain things that, that, that I feel that God has called me and my family to do in our life, and, and, and I need to organize that. And, and I need to make sure that in that, in that time that, that I'm in the right place in the right moment to hear God's voice without any distractions or anything. But I can't get to that if I don't, if I don't know what I'm fasting for. You need to know what you're fasting for. I don't have to come up to you and ask you to say, hey, man, how's it going? How's your fast going? And you look at me and say, ah, I don't know. It's not too good. I say, I'm not sure. And then I say, well, what you believing for? You tell me that Popeye's chicken sandwich with a strawberry soda, and I'm just like, man, really? You're still focusing on that? We need to push past that. You need to know what you're fasting for. Have a plan 
in your fast and prayer and worship life. The important thing is, is like I mentioned before, when you have that list, that's called being strategic. You have to be strategic in your fasting. You have to be strategic in your prayer. You have to be strategic in your worship. If you notice, the scriptures clearly show everybody's worship, everybody's prayer had a strategic purpose. We're not just doing it to throw it up and just to see what comes down. So what do we need to get? Here's a couple of suggestions. One, get a calendar. Get a calendar for your, for your, for your, uh, for your fast, for your prayer agenda, and for your goals on a daily basis. So everybody in here probably has a smartphone, right? Probably 99.99% except for those that are newborns. And even then, I, I think a couple of them might have one. You have that. On there, it has a camera, a, a, a calendar. It has a section called notes. In case you didn't know that, you put it in. That's what that's for. Get a notebook. For those of you that are old school, sometimes writing it down is, is, is better than actually putting it on your tablet. So you write down your agenda. You write down what your plans are. You write down what your goals are. But that way you have a reference point to go back to, whether it's next year or something like that. My wife does that all the time. She'll write something down, and then next year she'll look at it, or, or actually what she wrote down actually happens. She'll reference it. Be like, see that? God worked it out. It came to pass. This is important. Get an accountability partner. You can't do it by yourself. You can't. You have to be able to have somebody to support you. I mean, you have God. You have the Holy Spirit. But it's always good to have somebody to support you in the physical also. Get an accountability partner. So when you have those rough days, you can just call them up or send a text and say, hey, I need some extra prayer right now. It's getting a little rough right now. I'm dealing with a few things right now. I feel like I want to go and eat a pork chop right now. Anything. Let it loose. And accountability as partner is important. Also, devote more time to prayer and reading the word. What are we talking about? If you're swiping left more than you're looking up. It doesn't have to be a long thing. Work your way up to it. I've suggested in men's groups that, you know, when it comes to prayer, if you're, just, you're not used to just praying every day or, or longer, just... You know, we used to get an egg timer or set a timer on your, on your clock or anything. Start out at three minutes one day. Two days later, four minutes, five minutes, and then work your way up. Start off reading a chapter, a paragraph, then work your way up. Increase your word of God. Increase your knowledge of his word. What all of that is, all of that is getting you equipped for the next all right, full disclosure. This is the part. You will have physical symptoms from fasting. That's going to be a fact, especially in the beginning. You know, especially when you have a high sugar intake or something like that. If you're, if you're doing food, you're going to have uh, some physical symptoms. Headaches, tiredness, uh, you know. Uh, but what you, what, what you get, you're going to gain spiritual symptoms, joy, wisdom, 
power, freedom. That's a good offset. You just got to get past that first, that first wall. Because here's the, here's the most important thing is, he is more interested in changing you than you doing what you just want to do. That's his priority. We see that in, we see that with David. In 2 Samuel 12, 14 through 16. It reads, nevertheless, because by his deed you have given great opportunity to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme him, the son that is born to you shall certainly die. Then Nathan went back to his home, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's widow bore to David, and he was very sick. David, therefore, appealed to God for the child to be healed. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. In 2 Samuel, David fasted to seek God's healing for his sick child. You know, it was during this intense seven-day fast that David wrote Psalms 51. Psalms 51 is one of the most heartfelt psalms that David has wrote. He says, Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, or else I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. My only sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, broken with sorrow for sin, thoroughly penitent. Such, O oh God, you will not despise. Even though God chose not to save the child's life, the fast still served this purpose. The purpose was that it brought David closer to God. After being separated by that sin that he committed. We learn from Psalm 51 on how to deal with your life. And, and, and fasting helps put a spotlight on the issues that must be tended to. Uh, the anger, the, the pride, uh, the fear, the sin. In this psalm, we see David completely humbled before the Lord. Humbled, spread out, didn't move. The overall purpose of David's fast was to get God to do what he wanted. But to be humbled and reconciled with God as he surrendered himself in prayer. That's important because worship is a, is, it will be a lifestyle. It should be a lifestyle. Your continued worship should be, should be ongoing where, where sometimes even in good times or even in bad times, you know, you just break out in a worship, break out in a praise. That's how you defeat anger, fear, hate. Let's look at David, what David did next in 2 Samuel 2, 19 through 20. 
But when David saw that the servants were whispering to one another, really? My son just died and y'all sitting over here kikiing in a corner? Can you imagine the devastation that he must be going through, how he must be feeling? I might have snapped. That's just me. But look what he does. He realized that the child was dead. So David said to them, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed, anointed himself with olive oil, changed his clothes, and went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. After all of that, he went in and worshipped. He then came back to his own house, and then he asked, and then he asked, they set food before him, and he ate. He worshipped in that time. The question you need to ask yourself is, how bad do you want next? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want our church to thrive? It's, it's, uh, is, it bad, is it bad enough to give up a meal and to say, I can't, so you must, God? To say, I can't do it, but you have to do it. And someone, some of you are right now are about to give up. Some people have even given up. But let me ask you this. Have you done all that you can do? Have you fasted? Have you prayed? Have you worshiped? Have you humbled yourself before God? Jesus did not come crucified, then resurrected for us to just cope in life. He came so you can be the conqueror. So you can conquer those things. So you got two options. You can quit or you can get up. For us to be agents of change, for us to thrive, we need to be deeply rooted. Fasting, worship, and prayer is a pathway to next. We need to sacrifice the desires of our flesh so we can feed our spirit. I heard someone say that we cannot be super Christians without super sacrifices. I think fasting is a way for you to get into the game, to push a little further. I, uh, I've been dealing with uh, an injury for a little over a year now. And uh, they are trying their best to not do what they need to do. <laughs> I can only limit what I say regarding that. But there's a, there's a therapy that they're talking about doing. And I found it very interesting. Never heard of it before. It's called plasma therapy. What they do is they take your blood. And they do this over like three weeks. They, you go into the, to the, or, um, to the uh, for the hospital, for the surgical area, the outpatient area. And then you go in and then they draw your blood. And they take your blood and they put it in this machine. 
The machine spins, 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 spins. And what they're doing is they're separating your blood into his DNA properties. So what they're doing is they're focused on, they're taking a certain plasma protein that specific job is for healing. And they take that, your own blood, they take that protein and they re-inject it into the area that's hurting you. That same plasma protein, if you ever cut yourself and you see that little scab that comes over or whatever, that's that plasma protein that they're isolating. So they're going to take that and they're going to inject it so all the damaged tissue in there can have a direct, direct contact with my own plasma DNA that I have. And I say this to you, that's what fasting does. Fasting puts you into that place where you can separate the right thing that you need for God to work on that right area that you need for. That spinning motion, that pressure, that's just for a short time. But the long-term effects of when you isolate what needs to be done, that's going to be greater. And then I realized when, when they told me that, I said, man, I carry inside of me the very thing that can heal me. But I need God to bring that out of me. And that's what fasting does. It helps you bring out what God has already put inside of you. It allows you to take away and, and get rid of that, uh, what now, to uh, what's next, Lord. That what's next is an abundance of, of delivery. It's abundance of delivery from depression. It's, a, it's abundance of, of delivery from sadness. It's abundance of delivery from generational curses. It's, a, it's abundance of, a, of a releases from uh, being broke, unemployed, whatever it may be. That's what that next does. Here's one thing I know. The Holy Spirit is not just here to tell you something. He's here to start something in you. That's important. So you need to ask yourself this question. What do you want the Holy Spirit to start in you? And how is that going to benefit his kingdom? How am I going to be able to, to present all my petitions to God and, and say, Lord, I, I know I've been through some things and we're doing through some things, Lord, but I know that you have way more for me than this. With every eyes closed, every head bowed. If you, if you're tired or if you just want to move beyond average, but then you don't necessarily know exactly what, or you need a little help in getting to that next, I'm going to let you know that he has an answer. He has a plan. He has a way and an opportunity. 
If that's you, all you need to do is just raise your hand. Nobody's looking. If you want that next, if you're looking for that greater next, or if you're just looking for stabilization in your life right now, right from where you are, you don't have to come up. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Right from where you are, we're going to pray for you. Father, we we went through a lot today, Lord. But Lord, that we know that whatever is going to be next, Lord, we know we can't do it without you, Father. We know we can't continue on doing the same thing over and over and over again, Lord, expecting a different outcome. So, Lord, we're looking for a breakthrough. We're looking for the greater next. We're looking for the greater you, Lord, in our lives. So, Lord, we ask you to give us the strength, Lord, to move everything else aside, to, to make some room, to do some spring cleaning or whatever needs to be done, Lord. so that we can have more of you, Father. It's going to be tough, Lord, we know that, but that's why we got you. We know that as long as we have you in our lives, Lord, as long as we have you with us, Father, we can overcome anything. Nothing can stand against your will for our lives, Lord. So, Lord, as we go into this 40-day fast, Lord, I ask you to touch each and every soul here, Lord. Touch each and every heart here, Father. Speak to them, Lord. Let them have a greater encounter with you, Father, coming in. Let that encounter magnify your glory, Father. Let that glory shine through each and every one of them, Lord. So when they wake up in the morning and when they walk out, Father, that people are just going to be like, man, what's different about them? He's got Jesus. She's got the spirit in her. She saw, he saw what God was going to do next in her lives. So, Lord, I bless each and every one of them. I call upon your grace and your mercy, Lord. I thank you for each and every one of them, Lord. There are no coincidences, Father. You brought them here at this time in this place. Lord, I thank you because they're not going to leave the same way that they came in, Father. They're not going to worship their next worship the same way that they came in and worship today, Lord. Their prayer is not going to be the same prayer, Lord. I pray that they will pray before them. 
that you will guide them each and every day and each and every step of the way, Lord. And even when they're not thinking about it, Lord, you're pushing it on.